Welcome to Inside the Nest, the official podcast of Kennesaw State University Athletics. I'm your host, Nolan Alexander, and today we catch up with the 2019 NCAA Hammer Throw Champion, Daniel Haw. Inside the Nest is brought to you by Fifth Third Bank, the official bank of Kennesaw State University Athletics. Fifth Third Bank, working hard to make banking a fifth third better. Visit 53.com for more information. So we find out that the 2019 gold medalist Daniel Haas championship wasn't the end of his career. No, 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 no. It was just the start of bigger and better things. We catch up on the events since then, what his training looks like, getting ready for the Olympics in Tokyo, and then how coronavirus impacted and changed that. We also find out his secret sauce to how he overcomes the competition and what made him go from good to great. It's Inside the Nest with Daniel Haw. Daniel, we appreciate you joining us on Inside the Nest. Where are you logging in from? I'm currently here in Kennesaw, Georgia at my home. So what does life look like for you right now? Um, you know, our whole season ended up getting canceled because of the whole coronavirus. Um, so you have to adapt and, uh, you know, kind of rewrite the training plan for what your, what your goals are. And, you know, you still got to hit your 2020 goals. You can't pretend this year is just over been uh, spending a lot of time out in Kansas once uh, Kennesaw shut down that's where we train and um, it shut down and our Atlanta location shut down and so we pretty much had to pull an audible and you know one of my training partners is from Kansas and uh, he lives on a farm so we decided you know we can go up there we can throw there we can get our lift training done there we want to miss a beat you know there's a lot of guys around the world I was talking to the silver medalist at the world championships and he said that he literally can't do anything. He's just sitting at home every day. I figured this was a pretty good advantage. You got to take advantage of the opportunity and spent the last two months in Kansas. And then once Georgia opened up, uh, we just got back actually about a week ago, train rolling. I can imagine social distancing isn't that difficult on a farm in Kansas, right? It's not. No. <laughs> I mean, here, here in Kennesaw, you know, I mean, we're a suburb, so. I mean, there's just people stacked on top of each other. But, I mean, in his town where there might be, you know, 5,000 people, I mean, we I came into contact with his family, and that was it for two months. And we were training on his farm and then lifting in his basement. And it's a little bit different here. Everyone's stacked on top of each other. So what does it look like trying to throw out there in the farm? Is it just you two? You throw it, you go out there, pick it up, bring it back. Are you in a field? I mean, I, I picture this kind of looks like a field of dreams thing out there. Yeah. Um, well, his backyard would back up to this huge bean field. And so we had a little bit of a concrete pad poured. He would throw off his driveway into his front yard. And then I would throw, since the hammer is a little more dangerous. He throws the disc, I throw the hammer. Hammer's a little more dangerous. If the ball breaks, you know, somebody's going to die or it's going gonna, it's gonna to really severely break something. Um, so he had a little concrete pad poured maybe 50 yards out from the house, and that's where I would I'd throw out into the bean field. 
So in addition to doing that and lifting weights, did you also pick up things around the farm? Did you get, you know, they like to say there, there's country strong and farm strong. Did you get that <laughs> uh, out there? There is. Yeah. We had to clean some tractors and stuff, but we tried to really stay focused and put all of our energy into training. So you said you came back to Georgia once it reopened. Have you been able to kind of get into your old training stuff and be able to lift weights in a local gym or that facility that you were at? Yeah. Um, we got back actually on Monday. Uh, the field we train at, since Kennesaw, our, our throwing field at Kennesaw State, they actually tore it down. Yeah, we got a big new sign out there right now. We have a huge, we have a huge <laughs> new sign where our uh, throwing area used to be, which is sweet. But they're, uh, they just started construction on the new field, I think, this week, which is going to be out behind the football stadium. Um, so right now we've been training at a field in Marietta, and that opened up on the 30th. So once we got word of that, we got came back, uh, been training there, and our gym in Marietta, it's called Marietta Barbell, um, they've been open and they're cleaning everything down, wiping everything down, but pretty much in the normal routine again and getting after it. So where were you on your 2020 competition calendar? What was the last event you had done and what were you training to do before coronavirus wiped it out? Yeah, we had Mount Sac relays out in California at the end of April and, uh, I was in PR shape at the time then. Um, so I was trying to get the Olympic standard, which is 7750 which is about 253 feet, 254 feet. Um, was training to get the standard there. And then we had the Tucson Elite Meet, which is a USA development meet. They get all the biomechanics out there, set up all these lasers and stuff, and tell you about your throw and the angle and the speed and velocity and all that stuff. That was in – that was May 15th or May 20th. And so the goal there was to throw even farther, even push that standard out even farther. And then uh, right now would be we'd be two weeks out from Olympic trials. How strong did you feel that you would achieve that Olympic standard in the first meet? I think it would have been if I if I executed my throw to its best potential. I think for sure it would have happened. Um, but there's definitely there's more more meters, more feet in the tank after that. But that's just kind of the check mark. You know, if you can get the Olympic standard, you're, you know, you're going to be top 10 in the world. So that's kind of a big milestone. Going back real quick to training in Kansas, how did you measure everything out to know how far you were throwing it? Uh, we just brought a tape measure, drew out lines. And uh, the way my training is kind of set up is I'll take, we do like three-week training blocks, kind of the same thing you would do in a weight room setting. You know, you take three weeks super hard, and then you do a rest week. And on that rest week, that's when I would actually go out and, okay, you know, on, on Thursday on my rest week, that's when we're going to try and go out there and throw really hard. The next, you know, become a better thrower. And then have that one deload week where you come out and say, okay, you know, it's, it's time to scream till this ball lands and get some measurements. Obviously, having the Olympics as a goal is something that is surely motivating to someone as, as driven as you as it would be to anyone. How, how difficult has it been to have that uh, kind of fluctuate right now? I mean, there's, yeah. uh, I think we're going to have the Tokyo Olympics next year, but yeah. there's also a little bit of uncertainty with it. How have you dealt with that? Thankfully, I'm a young guy. You know, I'm not 
35 years old at the end of my career and just kind of hanging on for dear life. You know, I'm still in my developing years. Um, I think it would have been amazing to have the uh, games this year. But from a personal standpoint, you know, this gives me a whole nother year. Instead of going, trying to make the team, and then, you know, going there and trying to get top eight at the Olympic Games, you know, now I'm trying, okay, let's make it not only, you know, let's not only make the team, but let's go there and let's get a medal. So it's kind of, it's given us more time to train, more time to develop, you know, and more time to really, when we go there, you know, let's, let's make a statement, you know, show what Team USA is all about. We'd like to take a moment to thank our healthcare partner, Wellstar Health System. At Wellstar, their mission is to enhance the health and well-being of every person they serve. Their vision is to deliver world-class healthcare to every person, every time. Inside the Nest is also brought to you by the Indy, Kennesaw's newest student house community. The Indy is now accepting applications for the fall of 2020. Visit www.livetheindy.com for more information. See what elevated student housing looks like. It's Inside the Nest with Daniel Haw. How cool would that be for someone to go from (laughs) not playing or not participating in this sport starting as a freshman in high school? Because you didn't start until your sophomore year, correct? Yeah. To... Winning a gold medal in less than a decade. I'll be honest. I have not thought about the whole less than a decade thing, but you're right. That would be, uh, that'd be pretty wild. So take us back to really your my mind around that one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going to speak it into existence. I think it's going to happen for you, Dan. I appreciate it. <laughs> so let's go back to your start with this. And I read a yeah. story that you suffered a pretty bad concussion. So you had to give up football and you look for something else to do. How did you come upon being a distance thrower? All my buddies were football guys and all the big football guys. I wasn't big. I was maybe like 150 pounds sophomore year of high school. Um, but all what, my do buddies, now right now? what do you weigh right now? Right now, I'm about 250, 260. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And, uh, so about 100 pounds heavier. And um, all my buddies, you know, they all threw the shot put. All the big football guys, all the strong guys, all threw the shot. And um, so I was like, yeah, you know, I can't really play football because the concussion had me out for like six months. I couldn't remember anything. I couldn't even read. My eyes couldn't track words in a straight line. I mean, it was, it was pretty bad. And they're like, you know what, if you get another concussion, you know, you might literally, you might literally drop dead around the field. Um, so obviously football was out. And, uh, so all these guys were throwing the shot put and going from football practice, you know, where they're screaming at you every 30 seconds, you know, it's super high intensity and no goofing around. And you go to a shot put practice or a throwing practice, you know, and people are eating quesadillas from the uh, the stand up top and everyone's goofing off and just having a good time throwing this ball far. And uh, the first practice, I just kind of, uh, kind of fell in love with it. I was terrible, absolutely terrible. Threw like 100 feet in the discus, 30 feet in the shot. But uh, I just fell in love with it. And you know, I was the last one at practice every day, and I just absolutely fell in love with it and never really looked back since. Well, you said you're absolutely terrible your first time. I think that's further than yeah. I ever threw a shot or discus, and I did it for two years. So congratulations on starting do? out like that. <laughs> How far did you throw it? 
I'll be honest with you. I can't remember. And I only did it yeah. because I thought I was going to get out of football training, but I didn't exactly. realize that they did it after football training. So I only signed myself up for another hour and a half to stay after. School. Oh man. Amateur mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you took off from there and it was so interesting reading of how you started to really travel the world. You went from doing this your sophomore year to being one of the best throwers in the state, your junior and senior years, and you had some national records. What did you do once you got a few records in the bank and, and how did you continue to instill that drive to go from good to great? Um, well, I found, you know, my coach, my judge is my current coach now. And, um, you know, in high school, the, you know, the ball weights, 12 pounds and all that, the disc is, is 1.6 kilos in college. And at the professional level, it's a 16 pound ball and, you know, a 2k discus. And so you're doing all this stuff as a kid in high school and it's great and all, you know, I mean, it, it's great to have these records and stuff, but at the end of the day, you know, we all do this for, you know, to compete at the Olympic Games and to compete at the World Championship. And unfortunately, when you're throwing that 12-pound ball, it just doesn't really get you much at that level, you know. And so I think me personally, I was always be humbled in the fact that, you know, like this is great and it's awesome, like a great high school career. But at the end of the day, I'm absolutely nobody, you know? I mean, it, it gets me nothing at the professional level. It gives me nothing at the collegiate level. And I think that's all kind of stuck with me, even through college. You know, at my redshirt freshman season at Alabama, I, I was SEC champion of the discus. And uh, you just kind of realize there's always a next level. There's always a next level, you know? And then now being professional, you know, you're you're finally at – that level you know you're finally at the last stage you know it's it's let's try and get top 10 in the world let's try and get top three let's try and be number one you know and it's just this year-long commitment of every day living your life to pursue this one goal to pursue this one dream that's you're finally you're finally there you know you've you put in the time in high school you put in the time in college and now you're professional and you're seeing all that like you said, 10 years of work and sacrifice and coming to fruition. And now it's like, okay, let's not screw it up. Let's keep progressing, keep getting better. Because, you know, we're finally at that last stage. How has the amount of self-discipline that you've had to have to be one of the world's best in your event carried over to your daily and your personal life? As a kid... I was never like, like, I'm not the most athletic guy you'll ever meet. I'm not a very good athlete by means. Um, but as a kid, I would go through these phases, you know, the skateboarding phase or this golf phase. And I would just have this itch to just be the absolute best. I would just get obsessed with it, you know. And kind of the same thing hit me when I found throwing that sophomore year in high school. I just, I, I eat, slept, and breathed throwing you know I just absolutely loved it to the point where you know I was going to do anything it took to be the best at it and that's kind of the same thing that's carried me through to this elite level um at least I'm trying to break into and 
you know, I, I, I'm not the most, like I said, I'm not the most gifted athlete. I'm not the most talented athlete by any means, but I have just, you know, I always tell people, one of the guys I actually met in Kansas, he was at a local university, local coach there. I told him, I was like, man, I'm just, like, yeah, I told him, like, you're a way better athlete than me. I was like, what, what sets me apart, though, is uh, is my work ethic, you know, and my, my discipline. And, you know, that's how, in my mind, that's how I beat people, you know, because I'm just not the most gifted. And so having that mindset, you can really take into anything in life, whether that's in your career and you're not the most smartest guy out there, but by golly, you're going to freaking – you know, be the best at your job. And uh, I think that's the mindset that I'm going to probably take into my next stage of life outside of track is just, you know, if you're not the most gifted, it's all right. But work ethic will beat talent any day of the week. We'd like to take this moment to thank our proud partner, Coca-Cola, for being the beverage choice of KSU Athletics events. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe to it. It's available on everywhere you consume podcasts. So Spotify, iHeart, Apple, Google, SoundCloud, you name it, we're pretty much there. You can see all the links at ksuals.com slash podcasts. You're listening to Inside the Nest with Daniel Haw. Completely agree with you, Daniel, and I, I think Kennesaw and Kennesaw State is a great embody of that. So absolutely. Back at KSU, you're the national champion, the first national champion in KSU's history, the first in ASUN conference history. You had a lot of success before. Uh, we spoke of all the records you had at Alabama. You had a star-studded career. Were you nervous on that national stage, though, or were you pretty confident? So we started training for that national championship year, July 15th of 2018. And so it was almost a full year of training leading up to that. And, uh, you know, every day at practice, we talk about two things. We talk about being NCAA champion and we talk about making the world team. And when you're on that mindset every day of I'm going to do this, we're doing the right things. I'm doing the right things at home. I'm eating the right foods. I'm getting the right sleep. You know, when you do that stuff every single day, and you just, like you said, you speak it into existence and your mindset, my mindset this whole past year wasn't really, you know, it was mainly focused on the world team. You know, we wanted to be NCAA champion. We wanted to, you know, be in that elite fraternity of NCAA champions, you know, but we really wanted to make the world team. That's where, that's where the, the big time career is. And when you're on that mindset of, you know, this professional mindset, you know, I'm not looking at guys. Like, I didn't look at the collegiate list once in 2019, the stats list, the rankings list. You know, I was looking at the world list. You know, I was looking at okay, who's top 10 in the world, who's top 20 in the world. You know, and then when you go to that NCAA meet, you're like, man, this is nothing, you know. Just because your mindset, in the most respectful, humble way possible, you've just completely, over a course of a year, you've just elevated your mindset to where – the NCAA championship, like, come on, man. Like, that's no big deal. You know, you're training for the world championship. And that's kind of how I've always seemed to do well at big meets is I just kind of dumb it down, you know. Hmm. And not to discredit anybody who, like, the NCAA championship's a huge deal. It's absolutely a huge freaking deal. That's just how I deal with it. And that's kind of – I try and elevate my mindset 
to kind of dumb it, dumb the pressure down, dumb the stage down, you know? And, uh, so no, I wasn't really very nervous. You know, I knew I had put in all the work I knew we had prepared, right. You know, I'd seen big things in training and, uh, I think when you know you're prepared and you know that you fall to that level of training, that low level of training, when that low level of training is so high, you know, you're going to be successful. You know, if you were to study for a test, you know, when you don't study and then you go in, you're going to be like, well, crap, you know, you're going to fall to your level of preparedness and you're probably not going to do very well, you know, but if you study every day for two weeks and you know it like the back of your hand, I mean, you're probably going to crush it. And it's the same thing. You just, you fall to that level of preparedness. Did you allow yourself to celebrate when you won the national championship? If so, what did that look like? <laughs> I think me and my coach went to Dave and Buster's and we had dinner. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, our, on our checklist, uh, long season, right, was, you know, let's win NCAAs. You know, let's bring that back to Kansas State. And it's kind of once we did that, it was just a check, you know. And then it was that night at dinner, you know, we're talking about, you know, obviously we were, we were super stoked, super excited. Coach Kale was freaking so happy. And, uh, you know, but then me, Coach Kale, and Coach Mike started talking about, okay, you know, that night at dinner, you know, what's next? You know, we can't sit here and say, oh, we've done everything. It's like, well, we're really only 50% done with our season. We still have to get ready. In six weeks, we've got, you know, world team trials we've got usas you know we have to be able to come off this high that we just did go back to training and we've got to be able to come back in six weeks and be better you know and that's actually just exactly what we did i want to kind of wrap it up with this because i think this is a a really fun part about your journey is ever since high school to now you've been able to see parts of the country and parts of the world that uh very few people say that they've done what have been some of your favorite experiences in different states and countries through this whole career of yours? Oh man, I don't know. I mean, that's for sure. I'm so thankful for track and the memories and the relationships it's brought me for sure. Um, I don't know. I mean, I went to, you know, Qatar was pretty sweet this summer for world championships. I did a team USA versus Europe competition in Belarus and it's like dude not at any point in my life was I ever going to end up in Russia you know what I mean and so I think just looking back I mean Belarus is pretty sweet it was kind of a I don't know kind of an eerie place but it's just the fact you're like we finally got to our hotel room after like 16 hours of traveling and you're like, you finally get there, you set your bags down, and you go, I'm literally on the other side of the world. I think that memory was like, it just hit me. It's like, holy crap, track and field just took me on the other side of the world. You know, I would have never been here if it wasn't for track. So that was a pretty special moment. Like, when, once you get to the hotel room and you drop your bags down and, you know, you're looking out the window and you're wearing Team USA gear, you know, all the gear they give you. And you're looking out the window and you're just seeing this random town in this country on the other side of the world. And you realize that you're not, oh man, I really need to go home, you know, or I want to go home and see my family. You know, like you're not a short car ride, five hour car ride or a two hour, three hour plane ride home. I mean, you're literally on the other side of the planet. 
just having that moment and just being thankful, just a moment of, uh, of gratefulness, you know, of realizing what this sport has done for my life and realizing that I'm seeing stuff, something that most of the people in the United States probably don't end up in Minsk, Belarus, you know? And so just kind of a moment of gratefulness. It was a super cool moment this past summer. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for your time. How can we keep up with you and your future success on social media? What are your handles? I'm at D underscore Ha. It's H-A-U-G-H. And that's my same Twitter and everything as well. So, Wonderful. Daniel, thank you again for joining us. We're so proud of not only what you did at Kennesaw, but what you're continuing to do and how you represent KSU. And best of luck in your next event. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a good time. Again, a big thanks to Daniel for taking some time out of his day on his move back from Kansas for joining us here on Inside the Nest. It's been brought to you by Fifth Third Bank, the official bank of Kennesaw State Athletics. Fifth Third Bank, working hard to make banking a fifth third better. Visit 53.com for more information. I'm Nolan Alexander, and I appreciate you joining us. Please subscribe to this podcast to your favorite podcast platform. And until next time, go Owls. <laughs>